0: You're listening to KPBS Midday Edition. I'm Jade Hindman. The San Diego Asian Film Festival has been treating audiences to Asian and Asian American films since 2000. But with too many films to fit into a single festival, organizers decided to add a mini festival in the spring. KPBS cinema junkie Beth Accomando sits down with the festival's artistic director, Brian Hu, to preview this year's spring showcase. Brian, the Spring Showcase is the sister festival to the bigger San Diego Asian Film Festival that comes in the fall, and it kicks off its 12th year tonight with an amazing film that is not entirely a documentary. So tell me about starring Jerry as himself.
1: Yeah, we hesitated to call it a documentary in the description. I mean, it won the Best Documentary Prize at the Slamdance Film Festival in January, but... I, I think that the pleasure of the film is not really knowing where the line between reality ends and and documentary picks up. I mean, a clue is in the title of the film. There's somebody named Jerry, and if he's playing himself, what does that mean?
0: My name is Jerry. I came to America in 70s. I worked as an engineer for 40 years. I support my family by working hard and save money.
1: Maybe I should say a little bit about what it's about. It's based on a true story. This guy named Jerry, he's a retired Chinese immigrant living in Florida. And then he gets a phone call. Hello. This is T-Mobile, Chinese. Your phone and it seems that he's been... Or somebody with his name, or his identity, is is looped into some kind of money laundering scheme in Shanghai. And the person on the other end says... If you cooperate with the Shanghai police, we can make sure you get off. And that's all I'm going (laughs) to say. It's based on a true story. And, And Jerry plays himself.
0: So another more serious and straightforward documentary is While We Watched. And this looks to independent news reporting in India and the threats that it's under.
1: Yeah, it's by this filmmaker who we've shown at our spring showcase before named Vinay Shukla. And he's great at these sort of like high stakes political documentary in India. And as we watch this new one, while we watched, you realize like how much of it is um, kind of unique to the Indian situation and the politics in India. But a lot of it seems very familiar too, right? It's it's about a culture of talk news, of of, of, of talking heads, of people yelling at each other on on cable news, and audiences are sort of. Getting off on rooting for their side, and it's a it's a film that's sort of like saying like can we, how do we break out of that, and how do we make sure that we don't continue to slip further and further into something that we can never we can no longer escape from, in other words, how can we hold on to the integrity of journalism, and so the film follows one journalist named Ravish Kumar who said you know I'm I'm sticking to the old school way of reporting based on evidence and not letting any political side dictate the kind of news that we that we deliver. And he gets death threats. And it's sort of about his day to day. It's a great sort of um, like newsroom movie, also. But also just an inspiring story of somebody who's going to, he's sticking to what he believes in.
0: Well, I saw the director in an interview and he described it as a love letter to journalism, but also an urgent newsroom horror film, (laughs) (laughs) which is absolutely true because there's moments you're watching it and you're just, you feel like we've gotten to this point in time where everybody is just so divisive and accusatory and yelling at each other and not listening that it's, Definitely terrifying on a certain level.
1: Yeah, and it, and it moves really fast. <laughs> the movie, like moves at a breath takes like a breath next pace, and and so it has like el- an element of the thriller too because it's it's so high stakes and you really want to know what happens. And then the horror part also is like you don't think that a newsroom movie can lead to people getting hurt, right? Uh, or, think, or like that that people get death threats. And we like to think that, you know, this is something that happens in other countries, but of course there are shades of that here in the U.S. as well. And sometimes I think that for us as Americans, it's good to look at journalism from a different perspective. And I think that kind of refreshes us so that we aren't so mired in the, un- the specific politics of the United States. And we could just get to the larger question of what is journalism for?
0: Well, and in watching this too, I did think of the film RRR, which came out recently, which was loads of fun, pop entertainment, really enjoyable. But there was this underlying sense of nationalism in that film, which, if you want to look at it in a more serious light, comes up in this documentary, this sense of what is nationalism and how is it beneficial? How can it be manipulated or used? And like it was an interesting thing to think of the two films together.
1: Yeah, I mean, this, this news anchor in While We Watched is accused of being an anti-nationalist, anti-patriot. And it's like, why, why must journalism be the opposite of patriotism, right? And, and yeah, and, and these are fissures that, are, that run deep in India. And unfortunately, some people, yeah, they, they, they get so hardened in, in their own side that they, 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 get, they lose sense of what is actually important in institutions like journalism.
0: So while these films have a serious bent, you have one film, Polite Society, which unleashes a lot of fun. I am the fury. Ah! Because it looks to a young woman who wants to be a stunt performer, which is not exactly something that her Pakistani family wants her to become.
1: No, they do not. <laughs> um, it's one of those, like, we didn't move to the, to the UK for you to be a stunt performer and for you to make YouTube videos. But what do they have in mind for her and her sister, right? It's like, to marry a, a, a rich Pakistani boy. And she's just going to literally fight her way out of that. And then for us, it's like, we know our audiences love martial arts films because we love martial arts films. But we know that there's a sense in which, like, we a lot of people expect Asian films to be martial arts films. So, but, we, but I don't think they expect... Pakistani British films to be martial arts films, so like, so we're embracing it all the way with this with this film, and and there's also a way in which this film is also inspired, perhaps visually in terms or story wise by kind of South Asian cinema, including like Bollywood, famously, and so why don't we just bring together the favorite styles of filmmaking in Asian cinema into one? And yeah, this this one is a, a utter delight.
0: And this is one of three films that focus on. Pakistani families or from Pakistan.
1: Yeah, and this wasn't by design. It's just this is a, a moment that I think Pakistani filmmakers or like the, in the diaspora, that, that this story suddenly come, becomes important. So, for instance, we have a film from Hong Kong called The Sunny Side of the Street. Um, it's started by a Malaysian director, but it has a South Asian producer who's interested in kind of telling the story of Pakistani refugees in, in in Hong Kong. And so it stars sort of a Hong Kong legend, Anthony Wong, from Infernal Affairs. And it's about his, uh, a friendship he strikes up with a young Pakistani refugee. And, you know, like when I was watching it thinking... When I go to Hong Kong, you see people from all over the world, first of all. You see a lot of folks from South Asia. Why don't they ever show up in Hong Kong movies? And so when we think about diversity in cinema, like, we should expect filmmakers all over the world to care about such issues. And here's a film from Hong Kong where they're thinking about the overlooked populations in their own city.
0: All right. And I don't want to sound like a narcissist or anything, but I do feel like you programmed Sunday, especially for me, (laughs) because you have a tribute to Leslie Chung and Anita Mui showing some classic Hong Kong new wave films, rounding out the day with mystery kung fu theater. So I am so grateful for this day. But um, talk a little bit about what inspired you to do this. I I've, I've been
1: wanting to do this for at least 10 years. And let me explain that. So some audiences might know of Leslie Cheung and Anita Mui. These are the two of the biggest stars in in Hong Kong in the 1980s and 90s. Um, and by stars I mean not just in the movies but also in pop music. And I mean in, in Hong Kong you don't it's, rare is the superstar that only does singing or acting. Like you do both. And and yeah, these are just two legends who happen to be really close friends and also happen to do several films together. Well, in in 2003, both very prematurely passed away. Leslie Chung in April of 2003. So 10 years ago, I wanted to do a tribute to Leslie Chung at our Spring Showcase. It would have been the 10th anniversary to the month of his passing. For multiple reasons, that didn't work out, but mostly because of rights issues of, of certain films that just were not... Figured out yet. But 10 years later, some of these films are a little bit easier to get, um, and, and partly because of new digital technologies. Um, so this year, we're able to do the 20th uh, kind of anniversary of Leslie Chung's passing. And and we've realized wait, Anita Moy, this is also the 20th anniversary of her passing. And because of their very special connection, let's let's talk about both of them and so we've put together four films two of which they co-star in it's uncanny it's kind of ghostly to see both of them in the films but it's also just a, a reminder of wow back back in hong kong cinema was hong kong cinema a- including a film like rouge which is hands down one of my favorite movies of all time and to see the both both of them at their peak is is really incredible. But so we're showing that one. We're showing another one that they did together called "Who's the Woman, Who's the Man," which is sort of a, a gender-bending rom-com. That, I mean, when it came out in the late '90s, it, it was way ahead of its time for thinking about queer representation in Hong Kong. And and Leslie Cheung was kind of like a—it was an open secret, maybe that he was that he was gay, but he hadn't officially come out at this point. But everyone was wondering, and so a film like this just kind of makes the gossip factory work even harder It makes the audiences kind of it feels like it's winking at the audience and Anita Mui too also sort of this kind of gender bending um, actress of her time uh, we're also showing Wong kar Days of Being Wild which is one of Leslie Chung's greatest films but it has a theme song by Anita Mui in it so I was like let's throw that one in too and then of course Bride with the White Hair <laughs> Starring Leslie Chung. Anita Moy is not in it, but any uh, excuse I get to play one of the wildest and like stylistically rich action movies any, any, that have been, ever been made, period. Not just in Hong Kong and not just in the 1990s. It, it, it just wows you with just how audacious style can be. The costumes are by Emi Wada, who did a lot of Akira Kurosawa's films like Ron. The cinematography is by Peter Powell, who shot... Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and and, and and so this is these are some of the great filmmakers of Asia working together again in this kind of jaw-dropping classic.
0: I was so desperate to show Bride with White Hair last year, and it was in a rights limbo at that time. So I am so grateful you're showing it, and it was one of those films that absolutely hooked me on Hong Kong cinema because your jaw drops, and you're going like, where are they making films like this <laughs> in Hong Kong? It's insane. And people are flying and.
1: <laughs> yeah, and it's newly restored. I'll just put it that way. And it's, it's, it's going to look spectacular on the big screen.
0: Well, and the other thing about the films you chose is it really shows the breadth of the acting that both Anina Mui and. Leslie Chung and a lot of those Hong Kong actors where they would do serious drama, wild martial arts, and then absolutely goofball comedy.
1: Yeah, and, 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 and the best actors are the ones who can do them all. And because at some point, it's, it's about your magnetism. It's about your charm. And, and maybe that's where the pop star-ness comes out, where it's like you just know how to command the stage. And, and Leslie Chung and Nadine Moyer are both that way. And they were so beautiful
0: in some of those films. Oh, yeah. And your closing night film is going to be a story that deals with fathers and sons, as well as rap music. Yeah, it's a film called
1: Jamojaya, Jaya, directed by Justin Chan, whose work we've shown in the past. Um, and and Jamma Jaya premiered at the Sundance Film Festival just a couple of months ago. I, I'm just going to say, like, Asian-Americans under the age of 30, <laughs> probably, when they find out that we're showing this movie, are gonna be very delighted. It stars a rapper that goes by the name Rich Brian. <laughs> Rich Brian is part of a collective and a label known as 88 Rising, and they're like one of the kind of like more interesting phenomenons of Asian American and a- Asian international pop music. Putting together a roster of folks from all over the world, from all throughout Asia, becoming hits all around the world, and and so Rich Brian comes from Indonesia. And this is a film that's kind of about someone just like him, right? A rapper from Indonesia trying to make it in the United States. But his dad is always lurking in the background. And I, I find it kind of a. There are moments in the film that feel like horror also, because it's like, why can't I get rid of my dad, who's just sort of. He's this old Indonesian guy who doesn't really understand the world of. Hip hop <laughs> and 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 like hip-hop record label parties and just the sort of culture that goes around it. So you have the son who's trying to assimilate into that world because that's the world that's going to help him succeed. And yet at the same time, there's a part of him that's like, I can't just shed my family as incongruous as they are perhaps to my future success and it's and his dad becomes a reminder to him of like well who am i actually what matters to me and so it's a a great sort of drama about father and son but also just you know like a, a a pop a pop idol in the making kind of movie
0: well brian i want to thank you very much for talking about the san diego asian film festival spring showcase And thank you very much for programming Bride with White Hair. I I did think
1: about you when I was booking it. (laughs) Um, So I wouldn't say I did it for you, but I did it kind of with you in spirit.
0: (laughs) Well, thank you.
1: (laughs) Can't wait to see you there.
0: That was Beth Accomando speaking with Brian Hu. Pacific Arts Movement Spring Showcase runs tonight through April 27th at the Ultra Star Cinemas in Mission Valley.